It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217 356 9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217 351 5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program on College Football Saturday here in central Illinois and across the country. The Illini and the Nebraska Cornhuskers get the college football season going. 12.20 is the kick time today. We're at uh, the press box at Memorial Stadium. Mr. Tate alongside, as always, will be with you for an hour getting our pregame coverage underway. Illini game day comes your way at 10 o'clock. Our network pregame coverage at 11, and the kick, as I mentioned, at 12.20 this afternoon. The marching Illini on the field here to going through their routine. How long have they been out on that field, Steve? They've a couple of hours at I least. Mean, they're working, aren't they? They're, they're getting uh, the uh, showdown. This is the 153rd year for the marching Illini. And that's a dedicated group out there, a lot of them. How do they know where they're going? They're all over the place. Out <laughs> I think they're breaking up now. So okay. <laughs> they're going wherever they want to go. But uh, this uh, ball game, uh, Pitts, Illinois, and Nebraska, couple of teams that uh, were less than uh, stellar last year. Illinois going two and six, Nebraska three and five. But it's kind of a replay of uh, the same two teams with the same personnel pretty much. Well, yeah, that's true. And, you know, Lovey Smith always uh, emphasized the turnovers. And Illinois won the turnover battle in that game. And, and McCaffrey had three interceptions. And he fumbled three times and lost one of them. And that's that decides football games. Turnovers decide games. And. And I thought, once again, at the quarterback club yesterday, uh, Bielma emphasized the fact that teams lose games as opposed to sometimes you win a game and sometimes the other team loses a game. And that was a kind of a combination of uh, last year of Nebraska losing a game and Illinois taking advantage of it. And the last game Illinois won last year was at Nebraska. They yeah, won their two yeah. games back-to-back, -back, Rutgers and uh, Nebraska. But I tried to go back and look at it. The, Illinois didn't have their players together for part of that season. You had the COVID thing that took out Peterson early, and he missed several games there. And, uh, and you know, remember, Illinois was trying to rotate quarterbacks, and they had Corin Taylor in there, and they had Isaiah Williams in there. And, and both of those guys have since transferred positions under this new staff. So uh, I don't know if you, how much weight you can put on those games last year, although I'm sure that the, the national uh, writers and people that – make the evaluations or projections of the season. They look at the score and they don't they really take into account who did Illinois really have and how many people were missing when they played Penn State in the final game. Well, Illinois got 82% of their uh, offense back and about the same on defense. Nebraska has 11 starters back on defense. They lost a couple of people offensively. So a veteran bunch will uh, line up against each other. Yeah, this is very unusual to have so many seniors including some six years in Girasati the starting guard for Illinois who came from Wolford and did not play last year of course um, he's in his sixth year of football and we got a bunch of guys that are in their fifth year and this is, is this hard to judge I mean some guys that have not been great players but are, have an awful lot of experience and as you get older you get better and you just hope that that that's what we see today with these veteran players coming through. Interestingly enough, this is the 132nd season of college football for both these institutions. 
Nebraska has won 905 games overall. Illinois has won 614. So a long-standing tradition as far as bowl games go. Nebraska has been to 53. Illinois has been to 19. And this game, as I mentioned, uh, kicks off at 12:20. There's some other news. We'll have plenty of football conversation over the next uh, three hours or so before the uh, start of the ball game. Baseball last night. Cardinals beat the Pirates four to three. The White Sox over the Cubs. Cubs won that, didn't they? They have a six six run lead. They had a six run top of the first, and then uh, the White Sox had an eight run bottom <laughs> of the third, and it turned out to be a football score, 17-13. White Sox was the final there. A couple other football games today. There aren't many around, but uh, UCLA is playing Hawaii later this afternoon. EIU gets on the road. Uh, gets uh, on the. Uh, the start of the season on the road at Indiana State coming up this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Volleyball wins two season opening matches yesterday in Milwaukee, 3-2 to two over UC Santa Barbara and 3 to nothing over Milwaukee. That 3-2 uh, to two over Santa Barbara is kind of deceiving. Them. They lost the first set to the Illini, and they're trailing 25 to 24 and 26 to 25 and 27, and they finally win the second set. 32 to 30, <laughs> and I mean, they really had to hang in, and then, of course, they, they won the, the fifth set. It was 2-2, two to two and they won the fifth set 15-8, to eight. so a decisive victory. Yep, and they uh, came back and won 3-0 uh, against uh, Milwaukee. They'll play later today, 5 o'clock against Valparaiso, this uh, little event going on in Milwaukee. Illinois soccer plays tomorrow at 1 o'clock against Butler after dropping a 5-1 to one decision to uh, number 2 North Carolina on Thursday night, so Janet Rayfield's team is off to a 2-1 and one start. Yeah, I sat in the uh, north end of the first uh, first set, there, the first quarter, the first period, rather, and uh, it was all played in front of me. <laughs> north Carolina was pretty dominant. We, uh, the Atlanta got a, 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 a nice early goal, but from then on, it was just all North Carolina. First night of uh, high school football last night. Here are a few scores for you. Uh, complete coverage in this morning's News Gazette. Centennial beat Urbana 65 to nothing. Monticello over St. Joe Ogden 43 to 8. Remembering uh, Dick Duvall who passed away Thursday. No, uh, that was Dick Duvall Field that they yep. played on. Uh, our thoughts are out to, to his family. Central uh, lost to Danville. Champaign Central 49 to 7. Some other scores, uh, the Battle of the Colas, Tuscola beat Arcola 20-7. to It was uh, PBL 28, Chillicothe 6, Unity over uh, Prairie Central 41-28. That was win number 200 for Unity coach, 250 rather, for uh, Unity coach Scott Hamilton. Rantoul lost to Olympia 28-26. Muhammad Seymour beat Canton 40-14. Those are some of the scores, the rest of the scores in the newspaper uh, this morning. Good coverage there, as always, by the guys at the News Gazette. There are some more high school games scheduled to be played later on today and tonight as well around central Illinois. Our guest line up here in our hour of the show, we'll talk to Will Leach, national writer, coming up in just a couple of minutes. Scott Ritchie will join us to talk about uh, this football game, as will Kedrick Prince. This is a big recruiting weekend for Illinois football basketball and women's basketball there are a whole mm -hmm. lot of uh, recruits those uh, committed and some they would like to get committed going to be on campus for visits and official visits so we'll talk about that as we move along we'll take our first time out and continue on Illini Pella Saturday sports talk from the press box at Memorial Stadium a crowd of about 40,000 hopefully 40,000 plus expected 
at the ball game this afternoon or what looks to be a good uh, football day. At least uh, bring uh, some fluid with you or make sure you, uh, you've got some water at uh, access there because it's going to be hot around 90 degrees here at the stadium. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Highlight Bell of Sanity Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly at Memorial Stadium where the Illini take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers this afternoon. Kick time is 12.20 here at Memorial Stadium in Champaign-Urbana in the, the first college football game of the season pretty much anywhere. Week zero, they're calling this. We welcome into the program our friend Will Leach, who is in town for the ball game. Good morning, Will. How you doing? I'm very well. I'm actually walking down Neal Street past the Tumble Inn, the only place that played Cardinals games when here I was here at school, so I knew it well back in the day. So I'm delighted to be here. I was part of the, uh, the Illini club run with uh, Josh Whitman and everyone this morning, and I'm very proud to report we have the fastest athletic director in the Big Ten. I have no <laughs> doubt whatsoever that we have the fastest athletic director in the Big Ten. Were you able to keep up with him? Uh, yeah, well, you know, the wrestling team ran with us, too, and those, guys, those kids were – not like you think you don't think of wrestlers as fast. They're very fast. <laughs> wrestlers are very fast. So it was it was really a pretty terrific morning and a lot of people out there. It's just it's pretty exciting to be back. Will Leach, a University of Illinois graduate. Are you here today as a fan or are you working or is it a combination? You know, I'm there. You, no matter what I'm working on, I'm I'm always an Illini fan. So I'm definitely in the I'm definitely in the wearing the fan hat today. Now I'll probably end up writing about the game at some point, and but uh, but certainly uh, today I'm. It's a pretty exciting. This is the first as, as you guys know. This is the first game that's been fans, and uh, that's an experience I kind of really wanted to make sure to be a part of. Well, well, based on what you've heard, what do you expect? I mean, it's weird, right? Like it's 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 funny how. I mean, you know, we've seen all the good reporters kind of come out for being like, yeah, I saw him practice for like 30 to 45 seconds, and I don't really have that. We didn't see anything, and we don't know what's going on. There really is something kind of remarkable about how little we really, how much they've kept under wraps and how little they've actually shown. And so on one hand, you want to say, well, listen, Martinez has caused Illinois trouble before. Uh, On the other hand, you want to say Illinois crushed Nebraska last year. Did anyone say, wait, there's an entirely new coach, and we don't even know what he's putting in? So it is certainly a, it's hard to remember. Like, we obviously, as Illinois fans know, we feel like we deal with uh, first games from new coaches a lot. Seems like that happens more than you'd like it to. Uh, so, but I feel like we've been in this position before. But I don't remember a time where I really felt like we just don't really know what they're in for. It's funny because we, I feel the same thing with Nebraska. I mean, like, on one hand, they're, you know, it's so such a pivotal game for their program. You'd think they'd be up for it, but you know, also their program could be in a really dangerous place, and maybe they don't respond to something like that. It's just it really is. I know the people are watching this game nationwide because it's the first week zero game, but I think it's a pretty fascinating game across the board by how little we know kind of coming into it. Well, you know, um, I think Bielema's done everything he could to put the team together and. That's key, but the, now when the game starts, there's two coordinators that we know very little about, Peterson and Wallers, who are going to be calling the plays. I mean, they're I mean they're going to be in charge basically of what's going to happen. He's uh, Bielema will make the big calls, but they're going to be uh, play af- down after down. They're they're in charge, and we have no idea what's going to how they're going to line up defensively or how, what we're going to emphasize. I think we're going to emphasize the run, but we really don't know what they're going to emphasize offensively. But, you know, particularly defensively, I mean, because, I mean, you know, the whole 
the whole lovey concept of going for turnovers and, and uh, you know, you're, you're, you're more about stripping the ball out than necessarily wrapping up. I think it's hard to argue that was a success, but you've actually also, you, like, that's what's so weird about this team is they're, it's a new coach. So usually you see like a lot of turnover in the other direction, but actually a ton of players have come back, which I think, again, was exciting in the offseason to see, okay, wow, they really are buying into what Bielema is doing and they're excited to be a part of this. And that's something you want to see and you want to see that experience. But how, the defense in particular, how differently are they going to play from a defense that, yeah, I mean, frankly, it's been a while since Illinois has had a defense that you really felt like uh, puts you in a good position to be able to win. And so, you know, it, it is fascinating to see offense, you know, like at a certain level, we've watched Peters play a lot. <laughs> like, like I, I don't think anything, like, you know, hopefully he'd be more consistent, but I don't know if there's anything that's going to shock you uh, from what he does. But defensively, I, it, is, it is almost just a, a free for I have no idea what to expect from defense today. And uh, I think that's going to make, make the decision whether or not they win or lose this game. Well, one, one of the things that, uh, that Bielema tends to emphasize is tackling. And as he's pointed out, we've only had two, two days in which we've had live tackling. And I don't think we really know defensively what to expect that way because if you don't practice something, you're not going to get very, be very good at it. But uh, both, both, both teams are uh, obliged to, to live up to NCAA rules, and, and that's what, what the rules are this year, two, two scrimmages, and that's it on both sides. Yeah, and it's just interesting, too, because, you know, it, it's so different. Like, if that's the philosophy, and I think, that, I think you're right, I think it's what we should probably kind of expect, it's just so different than what Lovey Smith's philosophy was. I mean, really, it was so turnover-oriented, and sometimes it worked. It worked when they played Nebraska last year because Nebraska made a lot of turnovers. But that, that's, why, that's why Illinois was able to win the game. But... I, I, it's just so interesting to see. Yes, sure, all these players are back on defense, but it certainly seems like they're going to be playing in an entirely different, not just system, but even like the attitude and the, like the focus of what they're going to be going at. You would think it would be a lot different with the same players. It is, it is just fascinating, and particularly when it comes to someone like Martinez. You know, when it comes to Nebraska, like so much, like they, like this is a, this is kind of a, like it's obviously we're going to be excited if Illinois wins this game, and a little bummed out if they lose. But at a certain level, like, you know, it's, it's game one of a new regime. It's a long way to go until we figure out what's going to be going on. Nebraska feels like things could careen out of control for them if they were to lose this game. How do they respond to that? Do they, like, some teams respond to that, like, rally around their coach, and some teams respond to that with, uh, let's not do that. <laughs> let's not rally around the coach. And, and it kind of careen, it can kind of spiral on them. It's, it, it, I, again, I know it's, it's, a, it's game zero, and it's going to have the eyes of the nation on it, but it's really it's just such a fascinating game. I feel like if this game were happening in the, in the middle of October, it would be just as fascinating. But when you add even more that, 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 that how much is on the line and how little we, don't, we know, it's, pretty, it's going to be pretty entertaining and pretty exciting. Talking to Will Leach, how excited are you to see uh, a stadium that uh, may not be totally full, but certainly there will be thousands of more folks in here uh, since the last time they were able to be in here, and uh, that that's in my mind is pretty exciting to get uh, get the fans back in the building. It certainly, is to have the first game with a new coach be the first time that fans have, have been in the building in in, you know, in a year and a half is uh, it's a and having it be a Big Ten game, uh, have it be the one national Power Five game going on today. It's a confluence, a lot of confluence of circumstances. And listen, to be honest, I probably would have not been able to make the trip to Dublin. So I think there's a lot of people that are, are going to be able to be here because of, because of that as well. It really feels like 
again, we'll see what happens in this game. But it certainly feels that, like it's hard to think of a better way to potentially kick off this era, uh, the, the Bielema era, than a team a win a win or at least a tight game uh, with a team that has national that a, a brand that everybody knows really well with every single college football fan in the country's going to be watching with fans in here for the first time in a year and a half. I mean, it's it's certainly it's one of those things that it kind of feels like uh, if you really have any interest at all in what Illinois is doing athletically, uh, it, it feels like the sort of thing you just kind of can't miss. You got any thoughts on the uh, alliance that uh, was announced earlier this week? Uh, Big Ten pack. Uh, 12 and the ACC as far as what they're trying to do to kind of uh, counteract the SEC's dominance? Uh, I can say say the way they're reacting to it down south, which is, oh, that's cute. Good. Good (laughs) for you. That's nice. I think that I don't know if they feel particularly threatened by it. However, I think it's probably a good idea to – and listen – you know, there are there are people that think this is all eventually going to an NFC AFC sort of thing. To be honest, I feel like that would be kind of a bummer. I kind of like I, I kind of like conferences, but you know, it does feel like the financial considerations are pointing towards something like that, and it feels like something more to the point that these three conferences needed to get ahead of. And uh, and you know, and this is what happens, frankly, when. You know, we we talked about the, the Supreme Court kind of like hitting the NCAA really hard. I wrote about this in New York Magazine this week about the NCAA you know, getting hitting really hard by the, by the Supreme Court, and it totally was a huge blow to the NCAA. But what it's led is to a power vacuum, like an absolute, complete, total power vacuum that we've seen really for kind of a couple years right now. And so rather than having one central authority as flawed as the NCAA obviously was and is, uh, the lack of a central authority is just leading to commissioners and, and, and uh, athletic directors and school presidents just trying to get theirs and just trying to make sure they are personally protected. And I think it's led to all of a sudden these constant warring factions and i think that and basically you know the the commissioner of the sec is doing what is right for the sec and not what is necessarily right for college football and unfortunately that incentivizes everyone to uh, to kind of do the same thing to be fair uh jim delaney was the uh was the commissioner of the big ten for a long time and put and protected the big ten in a lot of ways that did things that were better for the big ten and not necessarily always better for the best of football so this is the way it kind of works now uh but uh it certainly i it felt like a smart strategic move i don't I'm really kind of less interested in how it does with scheduling. I don't know if that's going to be as big of a thing. I think it's really more just like being prepared for long-term for some of the pretty seismic changes that may be coming. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right, and I think Delaney's hand is very much on this and because I think he has talked to the uh, commissioners, uh, the new three new commissioners at the three conferences that are involved, and uh, that uh, I just think that uh, – they're, they're going to try to put a lot of emphasis on the overall sport as opposed to strictly football, which is the approach that the SEC obviously takes. Uh, and I, I, that was always Delaney's idea that, you know, that there are, for instance, at Illinois, there, there may be 100 football players out here, but there are also 500 student athletes that are competing, and there have to be some consideration for them too. And I think that, I think that the, the, there is less of an attempt by the SEC to have – multiple sports than there is than is the case in in the Pac-12 for instance which emphasizes Olympic sports and the and the other two I I just I think there's a a consideration there and I think that uh, when you hear um, when you hear the 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 athletic I mean I'd rather the commissioners speak 
I think you, I, I, I could hear Delaney back in the background. And, you know, that, and at least that's my thoughts on it. Or do you see that? I, I do. I, in fact, I, I, I think that's a good thing. And I, I don't mean to – I know that, that Kevin Warren's come under some criticism, some fair, maybe not so fair. But I certainly think that Delaney having a hand in this uh, is uh, – during this very tumultuous – I mean, think about – I mean, listen, I know Kevin Warren, you know, I think people have kind of criticized his communication skills and so on. But at a certain level, look what, like, hey, congratulations, you're the commissioner of the Big Ten. You made it. Way to go. Now here's a pandemic, and here is massive changes in college football. And the yeah. whole tra- and here is the NCAA, like, everything has been, like, absolutely landed on him in a way that, that no one could have anticipated. I think having Delaney step in, I think you're right. And I think, I think it was a wise thing, and I think it – and, you know, at a certain level – this is I, I I think Delaney has been maybe a more uh, benevolent force than some of the SEC forces, but he has always he's always watched out for like, made sure the Big Ten was taken care of and in a good position. And sometimes that meant long term strategy. Sometimes that meant being a little Machiavellian, but it made sure that they were all taken care of. Uh, I think the SEC is doing that now. I think it's probably wise to have someone who can uh, who maybe has read the art of war a little bit and is prepared to maybe go into battle a little bit with a, with an SEC that clearly thinks they kind of run things now. Let's switch over to baseball real quick. We don't, we don't want to let you go without you informing us where are the Cubs headed from here. Oh, where are the Cubs headed from here? Uh, it is uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful to be at Wrigley Field. I encourage everyone <laughs> to take the opportunity to be at such a beautiful place like uh, at Wrigley Field right now. You know, it's funny. Like I, I do think as bad as the Cubs are right now, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a Cardinals fan. I watch the Cardinals. The Cardinals, I think, are actually probably more frustrating to watch to Cardinal fans and the Cubs are to Cubs fans because the Cubs are like, okay, it's over. We're, we'll just see. We'll just we'll see what random name I've never heard of before is batting fourth today. It's just yeah. the random things you see as a Cubs fan. The Cardinals, it really like. I know that. I know that they're technically still in a pennant chase and in, in, in the wild card chase, but boy, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like if they were to make it, it would be kind of like backward going and backwards uh, and blindfolded. So I don't know. It feels. Uh, uh, it, it, if, I'm, if I'm the Cubs, I feel like the trades they made at the deadline were good ones, and I think they're going to be able to help them. I think they're going to love Madrigal. He's going to be a terrific player for them and really got him for, for like the two months of Kimbrell. I think that puts them in a good spot. Uh, you know, but, I mean, it's, it's going to be a problem. I don't think the process is going to be as long as it was for the Cubs last time, but I do think it's going to be the start of a – just enjoy Wrigley Field. Also, there's a potential labor issue coming up this offseason. Enjoy all the baseball you can watch right now because it could potentially be delayed uh, uh, considering the way some of the uh, labor battles seem to be shaping up and some of the early things that owners were uh, – their, their, uh, their, their supposed uh, offers to the players' union uh, did not seem much like offers to me. They more felt like a first bet, like shot in a war. Uh, I, I would enjoy all the baseball you can because uh, we'll, we'll see if that season gets started on time next year. You're a Cardinals fan. Uh, are, are you? Where are you on them right now? It's almost uh, a day-to-day uh, roller coaster, isn't it? I mean, it is. Uh, it, I mean, it, that that they are still a contender for the wild card is an indictment of the wild card rather than a praise of the Cardinals at this point. That, yeah, obviously, it looks like Flaherty's not probably not going to be back this year. Uh, so, like, they've lost that, and that was the thing that kind of set them careening. In the first place, they still kind of keep hanging around, but I have to say one, uh, they have had the opportunity to make up some games now uh, when they've been playing the Tigers and the Pirates, and they haven't done it. And so now they're going to get the Dodgers, they're going to get the Brewers, they're going to play the Reds, they're going to be playing good teams, and I think uh, it's been pretty clear what happens when the Cardinals play good teams. So <laughs> I think that right now 
the Cardinals are in a in a playoff chase, but uh, I'm not sure how much longer that's going to continue to be the case. Hey, Will, we appreciate your time. Now, make sure you do your post running stretching before the uh, ball game. You got to get oh, loose yeah. and limber that's for the. Oh yeah, that's why I'm walking. The... That's 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 why I'm walking. I'll tell you, those wrestlers, they're fast. Man, like, I always knew, like I know they're in shape because they're wrestlers, but I don't think of them as oh, oh, they're also speedy and they're so fast. I couldn't believe how fast the wrestlers were. So it was it was a blast. I love. I know that was the first time that uh, that uh, Whitman and a lot of the run, uh, the the running crew had gotten to do that uh, since since I think this is the bowl game, uh, since the bowl game in San Francisco. So yep. there was a big crowd out there. It was pretty exciting. Hey, Will, thanks a lot. Always good to talk to you. Look forward to seeing you. Of course, thanks, guys. We'll leach with us, 927, Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. We're with you until 10 o'clock. Scott Ritchie will join us coming up in just a few minutes to talk more about this football game. We did have one uh, text on our Castle Heating and Cooling text line. I was wondering where Rod Smith is these these days, last year's Illinois offensive coordinator. He's at uh, Virginia. He's preparing Virginia for the Illini. Yes, he is. He's an offensive analyst. Analyst. I wonder what he knows that, that we don't know about this particular staff. Well, probably not a lot about the staff, but he knows a lot about the personnel. Sure does. And, uh, and they haven't they haven't really, uh, we were talking about this before I brought it up, they haven't really changed a lot of positions other than right. the, the, the receivers or the quarterbacks that went to receiver. But they, this is pretty much the lineup, I think, that, that we would have had if Lovey was still the coach. I think that in terms of the personnel, I don't see, you know, Witherspoon is going to be at, at one corner. I mean, you're going to have Adams at the other corner. You're going to have Hanson in the middle. You're going to have Tolson in the ball game and Barnes in the ball game at linebacker. I mean, you, the defensive lines are pretty much the same, except they're just a little bit different positions. But Carney and, and uh, Gay are still going to be the defense. I mean, I just, I just think that uh, it's pretty much the same lineups. We've got the uh, phone lines open, as always, on the Line Pillow Saturday Sports Talk, 217-356-9397. If you'd like to join us, we'll take a break here as we approach the bottom of the hour. We're back with more from Memorial Stadium after this. And speaking of fashion, Scott Ritchie is here in all of his splendor to cover the uh, first football game. It's fun to be back in the uh, press box. It's fun to anticipate the crowd getting back in here. We've got a good day for it. Uh, ready to get after it, are you? Yeah, and I'm definitely glad to be in the press box and not maybe out on the field. It's going to be a hot one today. So the fans that do show up, they are dedicated to this. Jason Hegemeyer told me this morning that uh, we're looking at maybe 40,000 uh, people showing up. Hopefully that's, uh, that number goes up a little bit because you can still walk up and get a ticket. Uh, it's not impossible to do that these days, so maybe there's a good walk-up crowd uh, lingering outside there that will want to come in and see a, a Big Ten football game right out of the gate. Yeah, and I guess with the, all the mobile ticketing, you can wait at home in the air conditioning as long as you want, <laughs> then get your ticket and head over. But, yeah, it's... Well, you also had thousands of tickets offered to this faculty and staff. Every single member of the faculty and staff have two free tickets. All they got to do is pick them up. Yeah, so, I mean, I'll be curious to see what the crowd is. I mean, there's a reason for it to be big, just because, you know, fans hadn't been, hadn't seen this team in person um, since the 2019 season, pretty much. Um, it's a new era. Brett Bielma, there's always excitement when there's a coaching change. But I can see reason why the crowd maybe won't be as big as they'd hope, just because it's hot and, I mean, you know, the, still the, the pandemic is going on and there's some, some new regulations. And you just never know, you know, how people view that, but, uh, I'm really curious to see what this game will be because 
We just don't know. I, mean, well, I think that's the answer to everything. It's the answer, but you got to tell us what's different uh, that we haven't heard that you know about this Illinois football team. Okay, I can really only offer one thing. Good. That's, that's one more than I've got. <laughs> well, you could offer the same thing because we were both there, but at the Illinois uh, quarterback club luncheon, Brad Bielma mentioned you know, his offensive line and mentioned the starters at guard, uh, left guard, you know, Blake Gerasati, right guard, Alex Pilstrom. Mm-hmm. So he said that Friday afternoon. We'll see if that holds true, I guess, you know, uh, on Saturday afternoon. But I think that's the only tidbit that might be out there because he's kept things under wraps and you know, no depth chart. And Usually like, when we get to the press box on game day, there's a card and it has a depth chart for both teams. And I got the card and it's just the roster for Illinois and Nebraska. Well, uh, in any case, we the, the other question that I have that I, I don't know how we would answer, but how how does the heat affect how you substitute? How how, do, how uh, in other words, is there a plan going in to remove players after X number of plays? For instance, the defensive linemen or the or the uh, the safeties that'll be chasing those guys down the field all the time. I mean, I'm not sure if there's like a set number, but I think it's probably going to be a constant topic of conversation between the coaches, maybe the training staff, the players themselves, just to see who needs a breather, who can you know, run back out there and do it again. But, yeah, it's this is the type of game where you hope you have a lot of depth just in case you have to use it. And I'm not sure Illinois does at a number of positions. I mean, the, they're a little thin uh, just in terms of maybe guys that I have a feeling can contribute maybe in the secondary, um, a defensive line, offensive line. I mean, they've got you know, that, whether it. it's – I mean, they got six, maybe seven, but – I, I don't see that there's a ton of depth there. So I'll just be curious to see what that's like. But they've been practicing in this type of heat all week. Um, went through, like, a, a very rigorous, like, hydration protocol over the last, you know, three days just to make sure they're ready for what, you know, the weather is going to do to their bodies. It's kind of the old saying, when you think you can't drink any more water, drink some more water. Because that's what they're going to need out there today. This is kind of a unique situation with a new coaching staff and a bunch of old players. You don't always get that combination. No, sir, you don't. That This is very unusual. Well, and it creates a really interesting scenario where we get a chance to see how much you know a new coaching staff, a new scheme on both sides of the ball can really make an impact on a, on a program because this is – Lovey Smith's roster, essentially, from 2020. It's, it's his roster, but I, I just mentioned to Steve, and I missed this twice already on the show, we're starting the same players that we would have started if Lovey was here, almost to a man. Yeah. I now, they moved, the, they moved the two quarterbacks, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah and, and, T- and Taylor, but most of the players are installed in the same positions that they were, or generally the same. Now, you're going to argue with me about the difference between a defensive end and an outside linebacker. <laughs> there's but not much. There's the same position, basically, but almost the same. Yeah, and, you know, this group went 2-6 and six last year, and I'm curious to see what they can do with, you know, all the same players, but a completely different look, I think, on both sides of the ball. One thing Illinois did well last year was run the football, averaging just under 200 yards, 196 yards on the ground. Nebraska, on the other hand, has a lot of defenders back who were very good at stopping the run, and that's always one of the keys to any game, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, Brad Bielma has mentioned that. You know, winning teams run the ball, stop the run, cover kicks. So it'll be interesting to see maybe strength on strength for Illinois and Nebraska and who can 
have the edge there because that might you know, determine the game. But uh, Illinois has a lot of options in the run game and a veteran offensive line to run behind. But I think there, there will have to be some element of Brandon Peters in this because, you know, he had one of his – well, I mean, it was his best game of 2020 against Nebraska. And he didn't do a ton, but he also didn't hurt Illinois. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, game manager, quarterback, and that's sometimes uh, pejorative, but it can be a good thing. And that's what Illinois needs Brandon Peters to be and, you know, be a threat to throw the ball, but, you know, limit turnovers – get the ball to Chase Brown, Mike Epstein, Chase Hayden, Reggie Love, whoever. And the receivers, those guys uh, might find some new guys stepping up, and one of those might be number one, Isaiah Williams. Yeah, I'm curious to see how Tony Peterson will use him in the offense because I think it'll be in a lot of different ways. Um, wouldn't be surprised if you know, his number of receptions and number of carries you know, might be fairly similar just as they get him in motion, get him the ball in open space. Uh, and let just kind of that natural athlete go to work. But, yeah, it's a brand-new kind of look to that receiving room, and I'm curious who's going to maybe step up into a bigger role. I mean, I think Donnie Navarro will be used more, maybe, than he was last year. I mean, it's not going to take much to use him more than he was last year. And then that's the age-old question about Illinois football is how big an impact are the tight ends going to make? Because uh, I think you know, we say it all the year, well, there's some really good tight ends, and then they just – Never get used, but yeah. But in this case, you've got a head coach that has a history of using them. Yeah, so I think it, this might be the, might be the year where the tight ends flourish for Illinois football, and they've yeah, got they, two good ones. Yeah, I was going to say they t- got two guys that can play, and there's no question about that. I remember the first uh, practices when back when we could see practices. I mean, uh, Ford looked terrific receiving the ball, but never in the games. Yeah, well, I've just got to target him for him to mm-hmm. catch the ball. Yeah. And then, you know, I think their coaching staff has been really high on you know, walk-on, too, is the kind of their third tight end is, you know, Tip Ryman. So uh, we'll see if Brett Bielma's history plays out again, you know, with Illinois to use those tight ends. Keeping uh, in line with targets, Illinois defense will be targeting number two for Nebraska, Adrian Martinez, who's had kind of a career in games against Illinois, 661 yards, seven touchdowns versus Illinois. He's completed 49 of 72 passes in, in three games. He's also rushed for almost 200 yards and a score. And he's most dangerous uh, when he when he doesn't pass, when he maybe looks to pass and then drops out of the pocket and takes off. Yeah, and I mean, that's the key for the Illinois, I think the absolute key for the Illinois defense. And it'll be a different style of defense than Adrian Martinez has played against, uh, against Illinois. So I'm curious to see what that matchup is like, but if they can't slow him down, because there's not going to be stopping him, I don't think. Um, if they can't slow him down, though, that that's not going to be a good thing for them this afternoon. What do you hear from the Nebraska side in terms of the, just the whole overall attitude of the, I don't know how the players are affected, but obviously the fans are and, and the media is. What do you hear from the media? Well, I kind of did the Nebraska radio tour this week. I mm-hmm. think it was on with stations in Lincoln and Omaha and Kearney and um, – there's a sense that I get kind of from just talking with those guys of like, yeah, Scott Frost needs to get it done this year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, because you know, he was brought in as sort of the the, maybe the savior of Nebraska football. He's a Tom Osborne guy, and you know, they're going to go back to the way things were when Nebraska was maybe relevant in college football because they're not right now. Um, I'm not sure they like to hear it, but it's true. Uh, so I think you know Nebraska has to win this year, and if they don't, 
all of the, the extracurriculars that are happening around the program, including that NCAA investigation and how he mismanaged an analyst and essentially was a coach, could be cause right there. Yeah, he's lost his edge. He has to win. Yeah, even with a, a new AD that's another Osborne guy, uh, the wins have to come. And yeah. it's, not, it's not like they're going to leave him on the tarmac at Willard if they lose this <laughs> game. But uh, it, I think Nebraska – Oh, they'll just be devastated. If yeah. They lose. I, but they might even – you might even see a situation where they, they miss out on their uh, consecutive uh, attendance record. 300, what, 375 in a row? 375, yeah. Sellouts? I, I mean, it won't be the death knell of Nebraska football, but they'll be hanging on the edge. That's amazing, 375 consecutive sellouts. They, and they won 312 of those games at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Scott Frost is 12-20 and 20 in three years. This is year number four, 9-17 and 17 in the Big Ten. So that just uh, amplifies what you said about how important this year, this year is to him and his future. Yeah, and this game, because it's a, not only a Big Ten game, it's a divisional game. And those are the ones you have to win if you're going to you know, try to get to that Big Ten championship. So what was your prediction in the, the News Gazette this morning? Well, I picked Illinois to win. Did you? 28 to 20. Um, just had a feeling, I suppose. Uh, I could easily see it going the other way. Uh, but I don't think... It'll be maybe as high-scoring as the last few have been uh, against Nebraska, just for the simple fact that I, I just feel like if Brett Bielema can milk the clock, um, limit possessions, certainly for Nebraska, that, that's what he wants to do. And if the uh, kicking game gets to be a factor, you got to feel good about Illinois' chances, although Nebraska's got a good kicker as well. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, yeah very veteran special teams group right? That, that all decided to come back for that super senior season. And, um, I mean, the ideal is Blake Hayes isn't on the field very much, but you know, it hasn't been the case in his career, and he's kind of shown that he is maybe one of the better punters in not only the Big Ten but the country, just the way he can go into his bag of tricks and has about 14 different ways he can punt the ball. And he's a weapon for Illinois, one that they've used a lot, unfortunately, but he can come through. Okay, we're – Two and a half hours from kickoff. What are you going to be doing? Are you blogging and uh, such already this morning? Or Yeah, our our game day central sort of post is going to go live at 10. Okay. So it's already set up, and I've got all the social media running. Set that up as well. But, yeah, I'll just kind of keep tabs on things, uh, fill in with some notes, some leftover notes from this week. Um, be the place to be to, to follow along for Illinois football. Appreciate you, your time. Thanks. I was going to say, you've all, now tell me what you've covered this week. Oh. <laughs> I saw yeah. you at the uh, soccer game. I know you're at the Monticello uh, St. Joe football game. Oh, what else? I'm here. Uh, <laughs> let's see. And then just this week, you know, I wrote about Illinois volleyball. They got their season started uh -huh. right. yesterday with a couple of wins up in Milwaukee. Um, Lots of Illinois football stuff throughout the week. You know, a little basketball. Big basketball yeah, recruiting. Say, basketball basketball recruiting. That's that's a big week, isn't it? Yeah, I mean they've got, you know, what three official visitors with Jaden Epps who's already committed, Cameron Core and Cam Whitmore, who that they're hoping will be mm -hmm. the, maybe the final pieces of that 2022 class, and then you know a trio of guys from Indianapolis in the 2023 class, all four-star recruits, um, as Illinois tries to recruit their neighbor maybe a little little better so yeah big week and for brad bielma and brad underwood we'll have more on that coming up scott thanks a lot thanks guys that's scott ritchie from the news gazette working uh, with the football and basketball beats this year and volleyball and
Anything else that Matt Daniels puts him out on. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk at 945. Back after this. Up on 948, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 10. Illini game day gets going then and carries on right through the afternoon with the 1220 kickoff. Illinois and Nebraska here at Memorial Stadium. Kedrick Prince from the Quad City Times and IlliniGuys.com joins us on the telephone. Kedrick's in town for the football game and a big recruiting weekend as well. Ked, tell us more about that. All kinds of folks uh, expected to be around, eh? Yes, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. I'll tell you what, it is. This, if there's a weekend to, to bring the recruits in for the University of Illinois, this is the week to be doing it. I mean, they have brought in everybody from football programs, um, the men's and women's basketball program. It's just, it's just a good weekend. And, you know, as Scott mentioned earlier, um, from a men's standpoint, they brought in some good guys that they really are trying to sign. Uh, we mentioned Cam Whitmore, who's a six-six uh, forward, um, who's out of Maryland. And, I mean, Illinois, you know, this kid's a game changer, and he's a kid that they're really trying to lock up if they can try to get him. Um, Cam Corns, a six-nine guy, a center forward, 4-5 four from Bel Air, Kansas. Um, they already have two guards signed with Sincere Harris and Sincere Harris and Jay Nepps. So they need a big guy from size. So Cam Corn is a guy that I think who's not that all the guys aren't important, but it's nice to get some size to go along with the guards that they have coming in already. And uh, playing in week zero gives uh, Brett Bielma a little bit of an advantage as well. He gets a little head start on getting some guys on campus and, and contacting guys by playing that week early, and he's going to do it again next year. Yes, you know what, I give, uh, you know, when Brett Bielema got hired, he, you know, told people, like all the coaches do, you know, we've all heard it before, we've been around a long time, and from Beckman to, you know, uh, you know, Lovey Smith, we're going to hire, you know, we're going to recruit in-state, we're going to tackle our in-state. This is amazing. I, I don't know the last time I've seen an Illinois football coach be so aggressive in the state of Illinois and to get these kids, and he's doing well outside of the state, but you know, if you look at the kids that they've just committed and that who's committed and they're picking Illinois over Iowa, Iowa has owned Illinois when it comes to recruiting, and Brett Bielema has changed that, and they, and they haven't played a game yet. So, I mean, the recruiting, from a recruiting standpoint, it's just changed all around. I mean, his, you know, his enthusiasm, you know, him being from the state is an easy sell. It's just nice to see some of these kids are staying home. And when you mention Illinois now, versus to what I was doing this five years ago. They would say Illinois because they had to, but now these kids are really interested and they're buying in. You know, I think they have some of the coaches in the past that come to the conclusion that you couldn't win with Illinois players. I really, I think that might have been the case with Lovey. I think he felt like he had to go outside. Now, once you once you make that commitment uh, and you lose the, uh, the, the touch and the contact with the Illinois coaches, you're, you're really in trouble. Not that every player decides to go where his coach wants him to, but the the coaches have an impact on that, and uh, they have they have really they have acted more than just talk. I mean they've 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 gone out and they've taken some players in my opinion that probably uh, uh, other coaches wouldn't have taken because they're trying to get in on the ground floor so that they can get the better players later on. Do you see it that way? Yes, you know I really do because you know if you look at. They've done well. If you're into the star ratings, they've done well with some of the three-star recruits, and you know, and some of the and a lot of those kids are a lot better than what than what their stars say. 
but um, and you know it depends on talent. And I guess coaches have to have an eye for it for what they're really truly looking for. But the knock I've heard from the state of Illinois in the last few years, and you talk to a lot of recruiting gurus. The state of Illinois, people traditionally think they're linemen. You can get some good linebackers. And the skill positions, like the quarterbacks and running backs and receivers, there's just not a lot here. And I don't know if that's the case anymore. I knew early on years ago it wasn't the case. But then you look at uh, Notre Dame and Michigan and Iowa, they would come in, they would get a tight end, but they would just reload on the, on the linemen. And that's what has done now. He has kind of cornered that market to keep those kids home because now – you know, I was really good at that, and Kirk Ferentz has done a good job of selling that as far as his, you know, his staple, and then putting kids in the NFL. Well, now I think Brett Bielema is a new guy, and he's a threat. And if you talk to the Iowa guys, I mean, and they'll tell you, this is a threat to them because they've lost a lot of recruits to Illinois that they knew that they would have gotten in the past. I'll call and ask about a kid, and they'll be like, "Oh, kid, I think he's going to go to Illinois," and they're they're baffled by this. Well, I'm going to switch you back to basketball real quick. If they got the two guys today that are on campus, would that end the 22 recruiting for, I mean, would there be any point in, would they attempt to go after anybody else? I don't think they would attempt to go after anybody else, but I know, you know, with this COVID rule and the transfer rules, kids can leave at the semester and then kids can come in. So, I mean, hopefully that they don't lose anybody, but they may, if somebody decides to transfer, that could be a possibility. But I can honestly tell you, they are really, really looking to get these, at least two of these kids. I mean, and I know they're pushing hard for them. It would be great if they, if they got them. Um, I would never say 100% sure, but I, if I had to pick a guy that I thought that they could possibly land, it would probably be Cam Corn. Um, the guy's just in love with Coach Frazier. Uh, this staff has really, really done a good job with them. Yeah, Rick, how you feeling about the football game today? Well, it's kind of the unknown, and to me, I'm not going to pick on the quarterback, but I think Illinois goes as Brandon Peterson goes. Brandon Peterson. I just think he's the guy that's going to be who's going to put Illinois on the map. He's done really well. Then he's been inconsistent. You know, he's been around long enough now, so I think if he can take care of the ball and move the chains and if they can, you know, if they can defend you know, a lot of people think this game is important for Scott Frost. I think it's a bigger game for uh, Brett Bielema because this is an opening day for Illinois and the excitement is there. How many times have we gone to a new coach to be disappointed and they've gotten blown out? So this is a big game for Bielema. I think, it's, I think they need to win. A lot of people are saying keep it close. Those days are done. I think it's time to go out and prove that you can win at Illinois and that these recruits are coming here for the reason that he said, to win games. Hey, Kendrick, appreciate your time as always. Uh, we'll see you over here. Enjoy the game today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. Kendrick Prince, Quad City Times and IlliniGuys.com. Of course, not only with this being the season opener, it's a Big Ten game right out of the gate, Lauren, and it doesn't happen a lot, but it has happened over the years. It hasn't happened since 1996 when Illinois played at Michigan. But since 1970, Illinois has played a Big Ten season opener uh, 14 times. I don't want to hear the results. Well, 7-6-1, and one, so they're better than you thought. Oh, okay. Well, how about the last 10? I well, mean, well, I, mean, I mean, they've lost eight straight games to Missouri. And including no, 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 I'm talking about Big Ten. I know. I'm sorry. Conference but, game as a season opener. They had a number of openers with yes, Missouri along the way. And they, and, and they lost the last four of those. Uh, when the, when that, that's when the Missouri uh, – that's when Missouri fell off the schedule 
because we yes. didn't want to play them anymore but as <laughs> in far as, St. Louis. As far as playing Big Ten Big teams Ten, yeah. in the season opener, you know Bob Blackman in each of his six seasons opened the season with a Big Ten team. Yeah, he played Michigan State. I think he uh, he had some success there. Uh, but uh, I, I just – Illinois had a kind of a weak record against Power 5 schools if you go back over the last 20 years or so or 30 years. I mean, it's it's been kind of a – even in, in Mike White's greatest year, didn't they lose to Missouri in '83? And they, when they when they won the Big Ten, they beat every Big Ten school, but they lost the opener to Missouri. But they did, uh, no doubt. And that '96 game was at Michigan, and the Michigan won 20 to eight. They played Michigan in the season opener two years in a row under yeah. Lou Tepper, and lost both those games. And uh, there's one that uh, you remember. I wasn't in town yet, but the 1978 game, a season opener. Against Northwestern. Zero, zero. Zero, zero was the. We uh, dominated, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was. Uh, we had six opportunities to score and didn't. <laughs> that was Gary Moeller. His uh, teams opened against Big Ten teams three years in a row, and they tied one and lost two. So uh, it has happened before. It doesn't happen uh, very often. But uh, in that one game, uh, 1984, Mike White era, they opened against Northwestern. At Memorial Stadium with a win, seventy-five thousand seven hundred fifty-three people were here. That was back in the. It was right after the the Rose Bowl yeah, team. Yeah. That was back when the '80s belonged to the Illini. They really the did. Press box was shaking. Remember those days? Yes, I do. Yeah, and uh, Mike just brought in that passing game, and and uh, they, he had the quarterback to handle it for at least for several years, and then he kind of ran out of quarterbacks too, after a while. And he would have had another quarterback, but he. Uh, was uh, relieved of his job, and uh, of course that's when McAfee came in, and, and with Jeff George, and that was. Uh, remember when we were supposed to go to Russia? This kind of reminds me that we're supposed to go to Dublin, we're supposed to go to Russia, and uh, wound up playing in, at USC. The game mm -hmm. was canceled mm -hmm. in Russia, and, and Illinois won with two TD passes by George in the fourth quarter after trailing 13 to nothing, one 14 to 13. That's going to take care of a lot. I pull a Saturday sports talk. We do have plenty more coverage. Ahead of the start of the football season today, coming up right here on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back with you along the way. Stay with us here on DWS.